If you get to know me, you know that I love to do kind of relatively unnecessary polls of the audience, all right? So I want to know who here can speak more than one language, at least conversationally. Look at that. I see a couple people that are doing this. That's okay, too. That's amazing, because I cannot do that. I have so much respect for you. That's so awesome. It's very challenging to learn a second language, especially if you didn't learn two when you were younger. And so, way to go. That's awesome. Has anybody been employing any sort of apps for language learning? My husband and I are on Duolingo, haunted by the owl that reminds you to practice. We're doing Spanish so that we can connect with our, our church plant that meets right after us here at Spiritu Santo. And I'm, I'm proud to say that with the encouragement of Pastor Marvin and Pastora Jackie, I've made it to 245 days on Duolingo learning Spanish. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. That does not mean I know how to say very many useful things at this point. You know, like I can just say things like, yo quiero tomates en, en mi ensalada. Like, I, <laughs> I would love tomatoes on my salad. Welcome to church. Like it doesn't really work. So we're just cheering us on till probably day 1,000 something and then maybe I will have something relevant to say to the beautiful people at Espiritu Santo Iglesia besides, aquí está mi pasaporte. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, we're going to talk about Pentecost in Acts 2 and how the people were given this supernatural ability to speak other languages, which I think does sometimes still happen today, and I have not received that gift. Um, but we're going to talk about that. Before we get into that, I want to offer also my welcome to the ELM alumni who are here. This is a special day for us. We're so excited and grateful to welcome you. Uh, but together, I think we can acknowledge this has been a roller coaster of emotions. Am I right? It's been a lot. It's been a lot. And so I just want you all to know, I think I can say this on behalf of the Mill City community, we're ready to hold all the emotions, okay? It's okay that this is both something that can be exciting and also have some grief. We're ready to hold the joy and the sorrow together and to the best we can to hold that with you. It's really a commitment that we have because this is a new beginning for everybody. This is a new beginning for all of us in a different way. And so I think sometimes it's helpful just to admit that change is hard, okay? That is okay to admit. Change is hard, and it's kind of obvious why it's hard, because even good changes, that they are hard because it means that you lose something every time. And so it's okay for us to sit in the reality that it's hard. You know what else is hard? Meeting a bunch of new people, no matter how extroverted you are. That is hard, and that is okay. And so let's just be in that together. Let's just admit that together, because I do think that what the opportunity is outweighs how challenging it is for us to do this. Because the opportunity for us is for us to be able to express the reality that we are people who can pursue unity in the midst of diversity. I think this gives us an opportunity to live into the reality that the church of Jesus Christ is not bound by any one single location. Amen? We get to live that out. We get to do that. And we get to recognize that Jesus is the leader of the church. And that means that Jesus is going to lead us and guide us. And together, we're going to support each other. Together, we're going to center our lives on Jesus. Together, we're going to grow deeper in community and deeper in our relationship with Jesus. And together, we get to live out our mission even more boldly to love our community in the name of Jesus. And I think that makes it worth it to overcome the challenges that we're going to face. But it's okay to admit that it's challenging. And so today, we're going to continue a conversation that Pastor Asher's kicked off last week called New Beginnings from the book of Acts. We call it Acts of the Spirit because the Spirit's the one doing some things in that story and the humans are just trying to keep up. 
That's what's happening. And so we recognize that this was a new beginning for, for the people of God. In the story of God, there's this new beginning with this new story that's being birthed in the midst of the big story. And so I think what a, a better way for us to think of it is that new beginnings aren't usually a whole new story, but a new chapter in a story that God is telling. And that's true in our lives today. And that's true here in the beginning of this, this story of the birth of the church in Acts. It's true for the two churches coming together as one here. And for many of you who are joining us, joining Mill City for one of the first few times, this is a new beginning. It's not a new start, but a new beginning. And so we bring multiple stories together and we're moving forward together with one story now. But it's not a new story. It's a continuation of a story that's been told for a long time. So as we dig into the book of, of Acts this winter, we're recognizing the story of Acts, this moment of history and God's story that was profound, a profound new beginning. Not a new story, but certainly a new chapter. The story of Pentecost is what some might call a benchmark moment, kind of like today is a benchmark moment in our stories. Um, I want to read a, a little quote from Dr. Willie Jen Jennings, who has an Acts commentary that's really beautiful. He, he writes very poetically. Listen to what he says about Acts. Acts presents the interruption. The established storytellers have been halted in their tracks, you know, back all the way from the stories from the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the Gospels. The, the established storytellers have been halted in their tracks. Their stories have been disrupted. These disciples of Jesus are now telling the story of Israel differently. And now they're emerging as the new storytellers. Do you see how this is this benchmark moment? Today we're going to see that the Jesus followers experiencing this new beginning in Acts, they are not expecting this new beginning. At least I would say they're not expecting it in the way that it happens. All right, so stick with me on that. I think we're going to see that this is not what they expected. Have you experienced a new beginning that you weren't expecting? Think about that in your life. I, I feel that this moment with the two churches coming together was unexpected for me at least. So I, here we are. Some of you have admitted to me that you have a little child. That was a surprise. It's an interesting way to talk about accidentally creating a human being, but that's how people say it. And that's an unexpected new beginning. I was talking to somebody this week that said that they had these recruiters kind of out of nowhere come and recruit them into a new job. And so they're unexpectedly thrust into this new position, a new beginning that they weren't looking for. Sometimes new beginnings in our life are really challenging because they, they come out of a loss. And we weren't expecting it, and we're stepping into a new beginning in that way. Some of you, when you think back on when you became a follower of Jesus, or maybe a super important moment when you started to really give your life to Jesus, that you weren't expecting that encounter. <laughs> and it thrust you into an unexpected new beginning in your life that changed everything. Some of the, the new beginnings in our life are, are unexpected. And I would say almost all new beginnings come with mixed emotions. The word new, newness, can be really great, exciting. But once again, it means there's going to be change and there's going to be loss. And so it often means there's grief. And so in the, in the midst of all that, something that we can trust, that we can have assurance of, is that in the midst of the, the roller coaster of emotions, the Spirit of God is always on the move. The Holy Spirit is always on the move. And in the midst of a new beginning, we all have a question to ask, just like they had to ask a question in 2,000 years ago in the first century. And the question is this. If the Spirit is moving, will we join in what the Spirit is doing around us? Will we look and pay attention to what God is doing? Will we join into that? Because that's our choice, if we're going to do that or not. That's our question. So let's turn to the book of Acts. We're going to pick up our story from last week. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Acts 2. Um, last week... 
Pastor Ashish jumped into Acts 1, and we'll have it up on the screen too. Uh, so in Acts 1, Jesus had been resurrected. He came back to life. He spends a, a short amount of time with his disciples. And then in the midst of everything that he says, he's going to leave physically, but he's going to send his Holy Spirit. And he says something interesting. He tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Now, last week, Pastor Ashish pointed out, you know, interesting moment to say go and wait because somebody might say, hey, won't that lose some of the momentum? Like, we got things going here with this Jesus movement. What do you mean go and wait? But they do. They're, they listen to Jesus, and they go, and they wait, and, and they go to the city, Jerusalem, that, to be fair, was probably dangerous in their mind because of what had just happened. Uh, and they find a home to wait in, the upper room, we often call it. And they went, and they prayed, and they connected with each other, probably about 120 people total in and out of that community, they say here. And likely they had some time to heal from all that they had just experienced. So where we pick up the story is 50 days later or so, after Jesus' death, we find the disciples. They're still waiting in a room, and we're going to pick up right at the beginning of chapter 2, and I'm going to read one verse. You ready for this? When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. I think there's some sentences in the Bible that you could write an entire book about, and this is one of them, all right? So we're just going to take a little moment. Uh, one of the things I love to do, I call it seminary for everyone. I get the opportunity to teach at Bethel Seminary, and some of y'all do too. Look, you all are just as smart as those seminary students, so we're just going to take a little moment to talk about why this sentence is such a big deal, all right? You with me? So this is a big deal because they are in Jerusalem. They're celebrating Pentecost. This is a festival that was celebrated by the people of God, by the Jewish people, and it is still celebrated today. And it's a special day because it is uh, 50 days after the Passover, and so Pentecost in English comes from the Greek word that means 50th. But if you were a person that was a Hebrew person, uh, you would talk about a different word. You'd say Shavuot in Hebrew. That's the word for Pentecost, and it means a festival of weeks. So we're kind of combining this idea of 50 days or five weeks or so from the Passover, where they would celebrate God's saving grace, but Jesus, on that Passover that had just happened, had been the final sacrificial lamb to save the world. And so here we are, 50 days later or so, and we're having a special meal. We're up. We're not necessarily expecting exactly what will happen. We're waiting for the Holy Spirit. That's all Jesus said. And then we see what happens as we go on here. Uh, this, this context is really important. One more piece of context for Seminary for Everyone. Stick with me. This is also a time... Shavuot, when the Hebrew people would celebrate uh, the, the moment when God gave Abraham the words of the Torah up on Mount Sinai, he came down and gave God's words to God's people. This is now the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah. Torah means uh, the teachings, and sometimes they would call them the books of Moses. And so this is important, okay, because it's celebrating that. It's also a time they were celebrating the first fruits of the harvest, all right, so think about that for a minute. The first fruit, fruits of the harvest. We're also looking back to, to Mount Sinai when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and gave God's words to the people. This is important for our context, all right? Keep that in your mind. And let's go into the, the rest of Acts 2, 1 through 8. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their own language being spoken. 
utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Okay, so let's stop there for a minute. Now these men and women, these disciples of Jesus, they knew they were waiting for the Holy Spirit. But they did not know that the Spirit of God was going to come like this. Because whose imagination has tongues of fire over people's heads? Nobody's. That's the answer to that. They didn't know that. And then here's the important contextual piece. At this time in the first century, there was deep-rooted nationalism, ethnocentrism, tribalism happening. And so you notice there, it says, aren't these Galileans? How come they can speak our language? What we need to know is that nobody was doing Duolingo in the first century, okay? Nobody was actively learning other languages out of respect for somebody else's culture. You only did that if you needed to, out of necessity for business or for other purposes. Nobody was learning other languages in order to be able to grow an understanding of someone else's culture. And so they never would have thought that the way God is going to move is not only to give us the words to speak in our own native tongue, but to give us languages of all these people groups. And they never would have imagined that amongst those groups of people out in the streets, picture this, okay, they're up in the upper room, they're down out in the streets of Jerusalem, people from every nation under earth are there, many of them are God-fearing Jews, but we'll see in the story that it's not just them, there are Gentiles there or people who are not Jewish, they never would have thought that the Holy Spirit was going to move them out and into the streets instead of into a synagogue to speak to people that were Gentiles. That was not something that they were imagining. Picture how just huge that would have been for them. They did not realize that this was going to happen. Again, Dr. Jennings in his commentary, I love how he puts this. This is profound. This is completely unexpected. He says, this is an interruption in the story of Israel. That's why he's using that term interruption. Do you see what, what he means? The interruption is less an entry into a new chapter, but more of an expansion. The story, the space of Israel is expanding by the Spirit, and the number of people who worship the God of Israel is growing. Acts renders the Gentiles a profound question to the Jews. So the people who aren't Jews have a question for these Jews, the people of God. What will you do if I join you at the body of Jesus? and fall in love with your God, and fall in love with you. The Gentiles of Acts are on their way to communion with the Jews, to becoming community with people so different than them. And they're going to remain Gentiles in their culture. This is the most terrifying aspect of interruption. Love. That kind of radical love that overcomes some pretty significant barriers. This love is what God is compelled by. God is compelled by love to lead the people into this new beginning. Think about this for a minute. The new beginning when Moses comes down from Mount Sinai, when the birth of Judaism is considered. That's what a lot of times when people think, like when the Torah was given to the people, that's kind of when Judaism started. Think about this. One guy on a mountain comes down, speaks God's words to one family. Now, here we are on the day of Pentecost, the day that's celebrating that moment, and down from a room comes 120 people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, so they all start to speak from God to these people, to any, any family with an earshot. Do you see the expansion project of God right here? God promised Abraham that it was going to be for all nations, and here we see the beginning of the fruition of that, and from this moment on, it just expands from there. That's what we know is this expansion plan, and that's what happens. In fact, when we pick up the story in verse 12, Peter, who's one of the early leaders in the church, once again, I don't think he was expecting things to happen the way they did, but he, he's filled with the Spirit, and he begins to speak to everybody. So let me pick it up in, in the reaction that everybody had, starting in verse 12. 
It says that people were amazed and perplexed, and they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Not that funny, but it happened. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, that's the Gentiles part, right? All of you who are here in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Some people, that doesn't matter, but it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. You're seeing what the prophet said hundreds of years ago. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And he goes on to continue to speak these words of the prophet Joel. And then uh, he comes to this point where he ends up talking about David. Why does he talk about David? Because they're in Jerusalem. And he says, this is the God of David. But where is David? He's buried in a tomb in this city. Where is Jesus? He came back to life. <laughs> this God is not dead. David, this is the God of David. And this is the true king of Israel, Jesus. And then he says something very hard to say. Within earshot are some of the people where he has to say, and you, some of you, crucified him. But I'm telling you, he was the Messiah. He was God. He came back to life. We saw it with our own eyes. We saw him with our own eyes. And what you're seeing happen right here is a manifestation of his Holy Spirit. That's what you're seeing. That's what you're hearing. And then we see what happens as people hear this. What is their response? Uh, at the very end of the chapter, we'll skip to the end, um, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, or turn around and face Yahweh, move towards Yahweh, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord God will call. Listen, Peter would not have said that if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. For all. Not just his ethnic group. Not just people who were from that family. But for all. And then it goes on to say that 3,000 people started following Jesus that day. And joining into this brand new church, the Church of Jesus. How beautiful is it that the Church of Jesus was birthed through a myriad of, we don't even know how many nations and language of, of the earth. That's the birth of the church. That's the beginning, and we know the story. <laughs> That's also the end. And so as we live into this part of the story, we see this moment as so significant. Because there's this moment of, remember, they're celebrating the harvest, the first fruits of the kingdom of God. We've got the first fruits. It's those 3,000 people, isn't it? Welcomed into the loving story of God. The Shavuot festival that they're celebrating. Now it's not just grain for food, but it's the bread of life. It's Jesus these people who had previously been excluded are now included in the expanding kingdom of God. This is the beginning of the church. And so here's what I hope we can take away with us today. We can expect the Spirit to move even if it's un in unexpected ways. <laughs> we can expect the Spirit to move even if it's in unexpected ways. I just want you to think about that. Do you expect the Spirit to move in your life, in the lives of the people around you? There's reasons that we might not be expecting that. I know for me, one of the barriers is I like to expect the Spirit to move in the ways that I would like the Spirit to move, particularly ways that are more comfortable and not super uncomfortable. So if the Spirit 
power, you know, they're praying in the upper room for power. They're praying for the spirit. But I'm sure that they were like, how about not, I mean, maybe a little uncomfortable, but the Gentiles? Think about that. That is what they're praying for. Spirit, give us power. But no matter how much fear that they had, no matter how many barriers of ethnocentrism they had to overcome, they had surrendered to the spirit in that upper room. And that meant that when the spirit moved, what else moved? They did. Do you see that? When the spirit moves, the spirit moved them. They had given up control, and that's why they were able to speak in languages that they did not know. They were given up control, and out of that upper room, they came and they went out into the streets. And they were brought into the spaces where all of these families and every nation under heaven could know the love of Jesus. The spirit moved disciples in unexpected ways. So here's just three ways that I noticed, three specific ways. The Spirit moves them first to leave the upper room and to head out into the streets of Jerusalem. That was not a safe thing to do, by the way. Secondly, the Spirit moves them to cross divisions and barriers that culture had created between groups of people. By giving them other languages to speak, they were able to overcome barriers real and mostly imagined to be able to show that God is a God who transcends that culture and transcends that ethnicity. And then third, the Spirit moved Peter specifically, and then many, many more, to tell the story and invite other people to join in. Do you see that? And guess what? They did join in, 3,000 of them. So in our lives, I want to challenge us to do this, to be open to when the Spirit moves, to let the Spirit move us. And I think these three ways are, are, are a great start. Expect the Spirit to move us. The Spirit moves us to leave the room and head out of our comfort zone, right? The proverbial comfort zone room, okay? The Spirit leads us to do that. There are so many things in life that are so challenging. And I, it's a hard thing to admit, but when I look at life, often the most meaningful things are also the most challenging. Ah, Especially in retrospect, you look back on things in life and you're like, that was really hard, but wow, was that powerful. That's how I feel about the last few months. And, and I, I think that what's true is that when we overcome that comfort zone, the Spirit leads us into new spaces. And I, I think this is critical. Think about this. In that story in Acts, if the, the 120 or so people, the men and women who were in that upper room, had let their fear overcome them, had let their prejudice keep them from a sense of openness and surrender to the Holy Spirit, what if they had never left that room? Arguably, we wouldn't be here today. That was the movement of the Spirit that moved the people of God, which moves the story forward. But what if they wouldn't have left the room? The most incredible movement that has ever been sparked was lit by those tongues of fire on that day of Pentecost, but it meant they had to surrender to the Spirit and let God give them courage to fill them and to lead them out of the room, and it changed everything. How might God be inviting you? How might God be inviting us out of our comfort zone in this season? As we come together in unity, there will be no shortage of opportunities to be pushed out of our comfort zone a little bit. That's okay. The Holy Spirit can give us courage, can help us to overcome the barriers that we often have to be able to get to know new people. And together we can see that if we do that, if we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's critical for God's mission in the first, first century and it's critical for God's mission today through our church.
a powerful new beginning. And so I want to invite you, will you join me in prayer in this season just to pray that when it comes to these two communities coming together, to many of you who have joined us recently, let's pray together that God would knit our hearts together by the power of the Spirit in a way that only God can do. For the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of this city that we know that God loves. Because that's the mission that God has us on. Secondly, just like the story, the birth of the church, the Spirit moves us to cross divisions and boundaries, real or imagined. It's no secret that this is a world that uh, seems to be growing deeper in divisions and factions and, and all of that. We've seen that polarization. But this story shows that the Holy Spirit is powerful to overcome even the deepest of divides, doesn't it? These deep divisions lead to barriers that cause us to have an inability to see that everybody is made in the image of God and that only together can we better reflect the image of God than we could apart. And, and this is the same barrier they were facing then that we often face now. Last summer, I had the, the privilege to be on sabbatical for a couple of months, and one of the things I got to do was to travel around the southern part of the United States and to visit some really powerful civil rights locations in our country. I, it's hard, I, I mean, I could talk for a long time about how much that shaped me and changed me, but what I will say is that here on this first uh, MLK weekend, as we celebrate and honor the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., after I had visited those sites for the first time, it has been profound for me. And I don't even know how to put into words at this point, even though it was a few months ago, uh, just how powerful it was for me to stand where some of those leaders stood, where they gave up literally everything to stand for love instead of hate. To stand for justice instead of oppression. And the thing that just really moved me the most is that they were willing to stand for nonviolence instead of retaliation. It just shook me. It just has profoundly moved me to my core. What if we were determined to fight for other people and not against them? No matter what they're trying to do, what if we said, we're going to fight for you. Think about those people in your life that are the hardest to love. Yeah, I'm talking about them. I'm talking about the people that seem to just create divisions where there wasn't even one. What if we fought for them with love and compassion and prayer and blessing and not curses? If we fought for them, knowing that we could ask God for hearts of compassion and service towards the people that we might have the biggest divisions with, or the people that are just the most different than us that we have a hard time getting to know. If we're willing to surrender, just like they did on that day of Pentecost, then the Spirit will move us across those divisions and across those barriers, both real and imagined. Finally, the Spirit moves us to tell the story and to invite other people to join in. Peter, in this story in Acts 2, he boldly shares the story about Jesus. He boldly shares what happens. But this is Peter, remember, who just a few weeks earlier, five weeks or so, he's in the shadow of the cross while his best friend is dying, and he won't even admit that he knows him. That's the same guy. And so when we know that fear overcomes us, we can overcome just like Peter has. But what was the difference? He was filled with the Holy Spirit because he had surrendered himself to the power of the Spirit. The Spirit moved in him, and he told the story. He invited others in, and the church of Jesus grew from that moment on. It's only been growing ever since around the world. God is telling an incredible story, and we get to invite other people to be a part of it. And it all comes down to the same question that they were asking in the upper room. We have the same question. When we, will we notice when the Spirit moves, and will we join in? 
Will we look for the movement of the Spirit and will we have the courage to join in and to ask God for the courage to live out the story of God with our actions, to live out the story of God with our words? Will we invite the Holy Spirit to rest on us, to fill us with courage and to lead us to overflow out into the streets just like they did on that first day? I hope some of you had a chance to see our, our local newspapers called the Northeaster. And there's this article here on the bottom. Historic decision for Elam Church, founded in 1888, will fold into Mill City. And this woman, Karen Krako, just told the story in beautiful ways. But it's a story of both joy and sorrow. And a story of excitement and also grief. And I just think it's just good for me to point out that it's like, oh, that's nice. It's on the front page. And this entire second page and a third one as well. She's a detail-oriented woman. And so I think when we think about the story of, that God is telling in our lives and around us, Karen has already gotten us right on the way, has she? <laughs> and here in our neighborhood, I know some people I met in the hallway are here today because they saw that Northeaster article. Karen has started to tell the story, and we get to say, let me tell you what the Holy Spirit was doing. It was not easy. <laughs> but man, is God good. It's going to be hard. But there is something bigger than me and you and churches with names, and that is the name of Jesus and the kingdom of God, and we're about that. You can join in. <laughs> You're welcome. You can come with us. Join in. And we pray for the Spirit to move in their lives. That's what we get to do, just like we saw before. I'm going to invite the band to come up. This is the, the final reflection I have as I think about that birth, birth of the church, the birthday of the church. 2,000 years ago, as they were in that upper room, I don't think anybody would have expected what was going to happen on that first day of Pentecost. They would not have been able to expect the new beginning in the way that it was. They wouldn't have been able to expect being able to speak all the languages of all the nations under earth at that time. They wouldn't have been able to expect that thousands of years later people would be following after Jesus as their leader and savior because they were willing to leave the room. They didn't know that. And I'm willing to believe that 135 years ago, when a small group of 30 or so charter members said, we want to have a church in northeast Minneapolis where we can worship in our heart language of Swedish, and we're going to love this neighborhood in the name of Jesus, I bet those people would just be just so shocked and surprised that 135 years later, that is exactly what's happened every single day since then. Think about it. When you're starting a new beginning, you don't imagine 135 years later. They never would have imagined that not only would people be speaking Swedish, but all of the people who raised their hand to have multiple languages in this room. That would have blown their minds. And they definitely wouldn't have expected the courage and the creativity to continue that story beyond that 135 years through an adoption merger. They never would have pictured that. And a little over 14 years ago, when a few of us, 30 or so, charter members gathered in a room and said, we feel like the Spirit is leading us to start a new church in northeast Minneapolis. What should we call it? Let's call it Mill City. Let's name it after the city that we love, that we want to love in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, I was there, and we not, would not have expected all that would have happened in just a few years. And we wouldn't have expected today. And I'm telling you, the next few months and years, we wouldn't expect that either. But what I do know is that this is a new beginning and we step forward together, but also knowing that we can expect the Spirit to move even if that's in unexpected ways. And my prayer for us is that the Spirit would fill us with the courage to join in what God is doing around us. Let's continue in worship this morning.